So church, first declaration today. The good news is still what? The good news. Amen? Never going to change. The good news is, was, will always be good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to start today just reading from Isaiah 61. You can turn there and follow along if you want, but if not, just listen up. Then we're going to go into 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and spend most of our time there interjecting some tidbits for you, testimony, and things like that. So Isaiah 61, verse 1 through Three. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So clearly, this is a picture of the Messiah pointing to that day when Jesus would be in that synagogue quoting from Isaiah and saying, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. So this is about the Messiah. Now, in my thinking, if we are Christ followers, we will exhibit at some point some of these characteristics. The same Spirit of God that was upon the Lord is in us. And so, as we walk with him, as the Spirit shapes our hearts, our minds, more and more into his will, we are going to desire to see that the good tidings are preached to the poor. We're going to want to see those broken hearts healed. That would be an unction in our own heart and mind because the Holy Spirit of God is in us. Amen? He is. And so I contend, I I, I share with you that as the Holy Spirit is in you, he wants to conform you more and more to the image of Christ and that his desires would be your desires and my desire. Now, as we talk about good news being the good news, we know, you know, we live in a media-saturated country. There's a lot of bad news right? And so that can sort of diminish, if you will, the truth that there's always good news of the gospel. The the gospel of Jesus Christ will never be bad news. It's not in that category. It's always good news. And so my prayer, my hope, my heart is that even in these turbulent times that we live in, we do not forget that good news is always the good news. And I would contend that more than ever, today is the day of salvation. In the black backdrop of the difficult, painful times we live in, how much greater will the gospel, the light of the gospel, shine? Right? The good news is still the good news. 
to the ends of the earth. We are living in a, an in-between world, so to speak. I think of the mezzanine floor, right? You've got the floor, you've got the ceiling, there's the mezzanine floor. That's where we live right now, the now, but not yet. We, we can struggle. Um, how many of you have had some trials in your life? A lot of heads nodding, of course. Jesus warned, he told us, he encouraged us. He said, in, in your life, in this life, you will have tribulation. But what? Be of good cheer. There's always good news. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And it doesn't mean that we're not compassionate with those that don't know Jesus. We don't want to be aloof and step back and say, hey, God saved me. See you all later. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care your heartache. I'm saved. Man. Salt and light. Gospel. Good news. People need to hear the good news. And he asks each one of us to be a part of that. You know, growing up in the world of Calvary Chapel and Downey, wonderful church, hearing the word, someone said this, thinking about missions and so on. And we always heard, I've heard, as I began to walk with the Lord, you know, God has a plan for your life. How many have heard that, right? Of course, God has a plan for your life. He does. But let's widen that out. God has a plan for the world. And he invites us to be a part of that plan. Invites us to be a part of that plan. We want to get in that flow. Being bearers of the good news. Good news is good news. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to walk through some verses here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, and uh, we'll go through verse 21. It's such a blessing to see what God is doing here. And uh, first time we met Troy here in Lynchburg, and still back in the old building, and God was doing a great work then, but to see what God is doing here and now is amazing. And to see a lot of young people, I mean, that's... Young people like me, it's just amazing to see. Although you guys, not much gray hair going on. But it is beautiful to see. And young people, I want to encourage you. You have strength, as John says in his letter. You have abilities that you don't even know at this point. God is choosing you for great things. Don't get sidetracked by the things of the world. Don't get weighted down by the cares of the world. Let him have his way in your life. Verse 14. Got to look at the time here for a moment to make sure. You know, in the mission world, you're like, time? Eh. Eh. Verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. 
Okay, here I think, you know, Paul is unpacking the truth that, that first of all, the love of Christ compels him. That if one died for all, then all died. So all are dead apart from him. And so there needs to be a resurrection in those that are dead and those who are, that come alive in the spirit and trust in Christ and are born again, that they would live not for themselves. Look at it, verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should, not, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Question, church. Who or what are you living for? Who is the one that gave you life? Can I hear the answer? Who gave you life? Jesus. So, in my mind, logical. So, I'm going to serve the one who gave me life. It's pretty simple. Pretty simple. And as we dedicate our lives to him, live for him, he's going to do great things in you and through you for his glory. Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. You know this verse. You're a well-taught fellowship. I know Pastor Troy. He teaches the word. Teaches it well. You guys are blessed. You're encouraged. You're edified. You're built up. You get it. Paul wrote this in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, loved me, past tense, looking to the cross, loved me, and gave himself for me. Therefore, verse 16, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So Paul, previously Saul, he knew Jesus according to the flesh. He was a Jew of Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisees. He would have been at the temple when Jesus was at the temple doing what he did. He would have seen the miracles that Jesus did. He saw, but he saw him as a criminal at that time. And you know the, the history of Paul, he was... He, you know, he wanted to get rid of Christianity from the get-go and Christ followers. But when Christ came into his life, that changed. He saw differently. And it was interesting because it took a blindness on that road to Damascus to open his eyes to see clearly. No longer would he see things according to the flesh. No longer would he have that grid of his Phariseeism through which he would judge people. Now, the grace of God had radically changed him. He understood, and you, you know, you study the book of Romans, that salvation comes by grace through faith to all and upon all who will call upon the name of the Lord. Whether it's here in Lynchburg, whether it's there in Russia, Wherever the gospel doesn't change from nation to nation. So Paul knew Christ in a radically different way than before. I pray, I pray that Christ is so real to you. You're so consumed 
with him. That he fills you, his spirit fills you. And you see through his eyes. You have his heart. I, believe me, I, I, my good friend Dave Bartlett, they joined us in the mission in Russia many, many years ago. Just a great help to us. A support and encourager would challenge me on things. And, and he would say, he, he said to me, like, I just, I need a savior every day. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of bad theology. You know, trust Jesus and it's all good. You don't need to believe in him like every day in that way. He's like, no, you didn't hear me. I need a savior every day. I need Jesus every day. I need him. I need him. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a one-off. Every day. And every day, not only having that unction to share the gospel with others, but to, I'm, I'm just going to suggest to you, preach the gospel to yourself. The good news is always the good news. Christ died for you. He loved you. You know, and Paul would declare in Ephesians, who, who can know the love of Christ? It's the, the height, the depth, the width, the breadth. Who can, it's just, you know, past our understanding. We can't even grab a hold of the whole thing of his love. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, verse 17, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. My heart, my prayer for all of you is that you are born again. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm just curious. How many of you have had an experience with the Lord where you know that you know that you're in his kingdom? Just nod, smile, raise the hand. I mean... Did he not change you? Didn't something happen that you to this day probably can't explain? But it happened. I, I want to share a bit of my testimony only because the, the birthday of my birthday, February 19th, is coming up. My spiritual birthday. So I grew up in this little town called... Moose Lake, Minnesota. How many of you have heard of it? Obviously, probably all of you. What? Tiny town, northern Minnesota. Do you guys think you have it cold here? Or even Wisconsin? Try going further north into northern Minnesota, where I just saw on a Facebook post from one of my classmates that the coldest recorded temperature in Moose Lake, Minnesota, 1972, minus 53. Now, some of you are going, well, that's with the wind chill and stuff. No. <laughs> that is literally the temperature. As a kid, it was my senior year, just dated myself, but uh, gosh, that's a long time ago. But anyway, we rejoiced because they closed the schools when it was too cold. Have you guys ever had a close the school day because it's too cold? No. 
You have? What was the temperature at which they closed the skull? <laughs> that's great. 20, 25 degrees. Yeah, that's pretty, that's so cold, you guys. How did you handle it? I'm just kidding, just kidding. It's all pretty relative, I get it. So grew up in Moose Lake, um, fairly normal Midwest, small town. Everybody knew everybody. We were a family that was kind of known for sports and whatever. Good family, going to Catholic church, all of that. Just good family. Six kids, um, dad and mom thought, I thought, as a 12-year-old at the time, that everything was great. Everything was good. So my mom came to us kids one day, and she said, hey, I'm going to go visit my brother in Shawano, Wisconsin. I'm like, okay, never done that before, but sounds good. Fast forward two weeks later, she was going to stay there for two weeks, come back, or so we thought. Two weeks later, we're Friday night, it's football night in Moose Lake, um, eating eggs, the picture is still very real in my mind. So I'm the one across from dad. I lift up my head. Dad, when's mom coming back? He looked up, hesitated, and said, she's never coming back. Whoa. Whoa. Twelve years old, thinking that our family was perfect, Mom and dad never showed that there was any struggle between them. So it was literally like a hammer to a pane of glass. Everything shattered. Dad had to work two jobs. He, had, he got us kids. Um, tough moment. That moment. Um, one of my first thoughts was Monday morning I have to go to school. Everybody's going to look at me. You're the kid of those parents that got divorced. Divorce was never heard of in our small town in Minnesota. N never. That only happened in California, you know. And uh, hard. Embarrassed. I was shamed. Ashamed. Because and it's classic and it's true. I felt like, what did I do to make my mom leave? What did I do? Shame began to set into my heart. My mind, just a bad adventure began. My good friend Steve, who um, if we get to go back to our um, class reunion later on, if we're still here, hopefully, we, oh, that's for a whole other story. But uh, he asked me if I wanted to go out to the woods and hang out in his fort. He's got some homemade wine there. I'm like, sure. Drank a little bit of wine, and you know, it started to numb the pain a little bit. I didn't know how to, I mean, you're 12 years old. How do you deal with what happened? That sort of set off a life of drinking alcohol, you know, just the alcohol, drugs, anyway, all of that. You know, still lived, went to college and so on, but inside, still dealing with all the pain of what happened. And my whole family, my brothers, my sister, all. I had two brothers. One at age 52 and one at age 44 dead from 
alcohol-related lifestyle and so on. Um, my sister became anorexic, bulimic, all of that. But the good news is still the good news. So I'm going to tell you right now, both of my brothers that died, they both gave their life to the Lord before they died. I had the privilege of being with my brother Richard in hospice in Duluth, Minnesota, sharing the gospel with him as he was comatose, ravaged with cancer, morphed up, death rattle in, couldn't move a centimeter of his body for two days. It's a miracle that, you know, that we'd ask the doctor all the time, when's he going to die? I don't know. I don't, I don't know why he's still alive. Um, so Greg and I, my brother, were in late at night in that hospital, in the hospice, in a room outside of Richard's bed. And we looked at each other and said, you know, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. There's my brother next door in that bed. And I know that, I, I, having talked to my brother over a couple of years, I knew that he had not trusted Christ to be his savior. We got down in his ear. This is the miraculous thing about God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. It's the last faculty to go in any human being is their hearing. They can still hear. Isn't that a, the design of God is like amazing with you know, the desire for the good news to get into people's lives. And so my brother Greg got down in Richard's ears. And mind you, he had not moved an inch of his body, a centimeter of his body for two days. Shared a beautiful, simple gospel of Jesus Christ. He gets up. I get down in my brother's ear. Richard, did you receive, did you open your heart to Jesus? for forgiveness of sin, trusting in him. After my brother, Greg, had shared, two teardrops welled up in my brother's eyes, laying there on that bed, comatose. After I got done sharing, the second I was done, he blinked both eyes. He went home to the Lord three hours later. It was the most amazing moment, really, in my life to see that. But it, it solidifies how much the Lord wants to see people saved. I've never looked at a deathbed scene again the way I do now after witnessing what happened to my brother. The Lord is always pursuing, always pursuing the very last breath. Anyway, fast forward. Um, moved to Mammoth Mountain Ski Area. Um, I was probably, I don't know, 20, mid-20s, whatever. In California, would meet Christina. Uh, she was working on lift operations. I was a <coughs> supervisor of hers. Got to remind you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But 
But one day I just said, Christina, you know, do you want to take a run? Meaning, do you want to ski together? And the rest is history. So we met there, um, hung around Mammoth for a couple of years. Eventually we all moved down to Southern California. Uh, we had abandoned Mammoth with my brother. He moved out from Moose Lake to hang out with us. Started a band, um, went down to Southern California, and one night, February 19th, 1984, 8 o'clock at night, in my mom's house, sitting on her couch, Christina next to me. Christina had already met the Lord, given her life to the Lord a few years ago, a few years prior. Um, and my sister Rebecca, who was radically born again, even though she went through all of the anorexia, bulimia, she loved Jesus. And they looked at me and said, would you like to, you know, make a public confession of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I'm like, me, I thought, no, I really don't. Because that might mean having to, like, go to church and stuff like that, and you know. But there was something, you guys, or well, someone, that from the soles of my feet up through my whole body, this these rivers of living water just gushed, came out through deep tears in my eyes, just weeping with joy, with joy. I was kind of embarrassed because crying is not like whatever. So I go in the bathroom and just, <laughs> just <laughs> weeping. But the greatest, the most, the deepest impression for me, and I, I pray that you've experienced this, was that I was forgiven of my sin. And my, my eyes were opened. My ears were unstopped. I knew that I knew that moment I had a new life. A new life. So my brother Greg... He was there. He's giving his life to Christ in another bedroom of that same house that same night. He goes out and gets his wife, Pam, who, you know, they were boyfriend-girlfriend. They were going to meet at a hotel room. Greg goes and gets Pam and says, you know, I can't do this. I'm born again. Brings Pam back to mom's house. She gets born again that night. I mean, there was something going on there. And so my brother Greg now, he's been pastoring for years. They've been over to Russia with teams from their church in, in Idaho. But there was this sort of uh, an unction to want to share this good news that had radically saved us. Okay, so we went to, started going to Calvary Chapel Downey, formed a band called the Edifiers, how many of you have heard of the Edifiers, the band? What? I was the bass player. Good job on the bass this morning. Wherever you are. <laughs> um, but we had a, just a passion. We, we weren't musicians, and if we get a chance to share the gospel, we will, but maybe not. It was, we are gospel preachers, and we get to do music. We get to do music to do that. We loved it. We brought the good news of Christ. Um, 
Calvary Chapel Downey life. We, we started growing in the Lord. Our, the band, the Edifiers. Oh, by the way, we do have a copy left of our, we have a couple albums. They've gone aluminum in sales. So we have one left. I mean, you guys, I know you're going to fight for it afterwards. <laughs> no. Um, but the Lord planted in our hearts the desire to just go and share the gospel. Stirred a cross-cultural, you know, heart in us. Um, as a band, we went to Peru and did some outreach there, and then Europe, and our kids were five, no, four, two and a half year old, and we did, a, did some concerts and evangelism in Europe way back in the day, late 80s, early 90s. Um, in Downey, we began to be stirred uh, towards cross-cultural missions, and we took a class, World Perspectives, on missions out of uh, Pasadena, California, and the thing that opened up to me, to Christina, the whole band, we took it as a band, and it's this. Genesis 12 is a real key that in you, through you, Abraham, all of the families of the earth, all the families of the earth, all the ethne, all the people groups, all the tribes, tongues, nations will be blessed through your seed. Who is the seed of Abraham, ultimately? Jesus. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation began to open our eyes. We would hear stories from the mission field. I'll never forget one couple that taught on a Monday night at our class. And they said, you know, most people say, I'm going to stay unless God calls me to go. We decided to take another route. We're going to go and we'll only stay if the Lord calls us to stay. I'm like, that's, that's revolutionary. Because we began to realize, oh, there's something called the Great Commission. Something that says, like, Go. Not as a suggestion, not as a, you know, a, a, an opinion, but go and go into all the world, teaching, baptizing. You know the Great Commission that gripped our hearts. And so as we were growing in the Lord and hearing the word and just some of those scriptures that just popped out. You know, like this, the love of Christ compels us. We're ambassadors for Christ. We are, you know, not living for this world, not living for this life. Verse 18 19. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Church, verse 18, given us. Who's the us today? given us the ministry of reconciliation. Some of you are going like, that's not for us today. It's for us. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. Given us the ministry of reconciliation, the good news of the gospel, being reconciled to God through the Son. He's given us, entrusted us that ministry. Verse 19, that is, Paul explains it a little further, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's his heart. Not imputing their trespasses to them. Thank God for that. Not indelibly marking our sin deep within us so that it can never be cleansed or taken away. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
committed to us, committed to you, committed to this fellowship, all of those who would call upon the name of Jesus. There's an entrustment, a stewardship. You know, the gospel is not to be buried. It's not. It's to be shouted from the rooftops. People need to hear. You guys, you know our nation. You understand the news. You hear bad news. Maybe in your family, you just got bad news about someone who's ill. Maybe somebody just passed away. All of the pain, the wayward children, whatever. A lot of pain. Maybe a recent divorce. Maybe just difficult, difficult stuff. God wants to take hold of your heart, bring healing through his reconciliation work in the person of Jesus Christ and by the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. We're going to wind down here. Now then, we are ambassadors. Listen, church. Open the ears by the Spirit. We are ambassadors for Christ. You talk about identity. There's much identity talk today. This is it. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. This is, this is what the Spirit of God in us is wanting to do. Plead to those who don't know the Lord. Plead through us. I'll never forget in Russia, one of the first so interesting and powerful conversations we had. It was my, our neighbor, probably 80 years old, really, really old guy. He was a Soviet of Soviets, was in the Soviet military. We had tea with them at, the, in, at their table in their flat. I'll never forget it. Sharing the gospel with him. He looked at me and said, I can, I can never believe that. I can never believe any other way. I'm a communist. I love my nation. My heart began to break. And I just remember pleading with this man that if you, it's not that you can't believe you can believe. You believe in what you believe now. But if you will trust in Christ, a whole new world will open up to you. His wife was sitting there, I remember that. Now, I don't know what happened after that conversation. He didn't give his life to the Lord at that moment. But I know that the Lord pursued him to the very last breath of his life. I know that. We're called to be ambassadors. Church, brothers and sisters, when, I'm going to ask this of myself, when was the last time that you shared the good news of Jesus Christ to someone? Well, I asked somebody to go to church. Well, that, hey, that's good. But I'm talking about opening your heart and your mouth. The gospel is to be preached. 
declared, proclaimed, that they might know the Lord that you know. Don't you want people to know the Lord you know? <laughs> I mean, there's no greater Lord, for sure. Anyway, the, the desire to preach the gospel. We did, we moved to Russia, 1992. Christina, three kids, seven, five, and three, not knowing anything about the culture, the language, nothing. But I knew, I knew that I knew that the Lord had called me. It was a day at Calvary Chapel Downey when the Lord spoke to me. The family that was supposed to go there long term couldn't. The Lord pierced my heart and said, you're the family that's going to Russia. That was in March of 92. We were in Russia, in Russia, June 6th of 92. No time to praise God how he works in my life. No time to gather information about what we're going to. If I had information, I probably would have said, no way, Lord. Uh, but just a faith move. And we saw the Lord. I mean, again, from my heart, it was simplistic in my thinking. If we move to Russia, taking our family, our three small kids, and attempt to do this work, I have no recourse, we have no recourse, but to trust the Lord. That truth began to excite me. That truth began to excite me. If I trust the Lord, really trust the Lord, no more system that we have in place here and where we live in the States and everything's sort of in place. If I go there and I have to trust the Lord, am I not going to get to know the Lord better? And as far as I'm concerned, that's about, that's what we need to be doing is getting to know the Lord. And sometimes it's hard to get to know the Lord unless you're put out in a place of faith. Boy, from the get-go, it was like, Lord, Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, we don't know what we're doing. We literally didn't know what we were doing. Honestly, I'm not exaggerating. We did not know what we were doing. All we knew is that God would be with us. That's enough. That's enough. Verse 21, we're closing. Um, he made him who knew no sin... To be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank the Lord for the gospel, the message. Let's pray. Lord, there is a, um, you know, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings for the gospel. Lord, Thank you that you have shot our feet with the gospel of salvation. And Lord, you know, I think with, along with what Paul would say, things like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Lord, I think of those words, I'm a debtor to Christ. And Lord, thank you that that doesn't mean that we owe you anything. It means that because you came and died for us and rose again for us. We want to live for you. We're a debtor to you in that way. It's not a have to, it's a get to because of what you have done for us. Lord, may we embrace the identity as ambassadors 
for you wherever we go, whether it be overseas to a tribe, a nation, whether it be across the street, whether it be in the stores, whether it be in school, wherever, Lord, that would be those ready to bring the good news of the gospel. Lord, as we wind down here, I do pray for those that have a stirring in their hearts to maybe take that step of faith to go overseas at some point. Lord, may that person, those people, allow that that desire to well up in their hearts, not to be diminished in their hearts. Lord, to those who are stirred to think, wow, man, I, I, I want to, I get to share the gospel with those in my neighborhood or my friends that I've never uh, spoken to about you. I want to do that, Lord. I want to risk that. And Lord, also, my heart aches for those who are in pain in their hearts. Lord, those that that could never ever embrace, or it's difficult to embrace how much you do love them. And inside of their heart, they struggle with that. The Lord sees what I've done. The Lord sees who I am. The Lord sees my sin. The Lord sees my struggles. How can he love me? <laughs> that, Lord, is the scandal of grace. Lord, I pray for those that are hurting today that they would be able to receive that healing love, that they are loved by you now and forever. healing to the brokenhearted today as well. So thank you, Jesus, for this time. Lord, we'd love to stay right here, worship you forever, and uh, praise God we get to do that someday. So thank you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.